What's up, filmmakers and moviegoers? I'm Zach. And this is Eric. What's up, Eric? Always. Oh, 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 wow. Still still going there. Yeah. All right. Man, <laughs> uh, we've had some awesome interviews this last month. Uh, we were at Cinegear 2019, interviewed Rob yeah. Rusher, and uh, last week's episode was with Vaughn, a uh, film editor who I think just got back into the States. So yeah. welcome back, Vaughn. But uh, this week, who do we have? We got Jeff Barch of Story Greenlight. This was an awesome interview. It was amazing. So how did this interview come to be, Eric? So yeah, I connected with Jeff. We're both YouTubers. He's an editor. We're in the filmmaking space together. And he has an amazing platform called Story Greenlight. Yeah, it was so awesome to hear him talk about Story Greenlight. And we get into that on the interview. And um, he talks also about he's, he's working at NBC right now as an editor. Mm-hmm. And he's doing American Ninja Warrior. He's doing the, st- the, uh, the story segments of that. And uh, it was just so cool to kind of see... Um, his process and what that looks like for him and to hear kind of a breakdown of why he's in the YouTube now and uh, kind of his creativity being the, the cause for him to get onto you know, the streaming platforms. Yeah. And not only that, just the, his desire to give back. I oh mean, yeah. He's, he's such a wealth of knowledge, has such a great in-depth insight and level of experience that, and he wants to help other people tell tell their stories and tell them well yeah and just the attitude of really um wanting to help others is is really amazing it's awesome so guys here's the interview with jeff barch what's up filmmakers and moviegoers i'm zach and this is eric and uh, who do we have with us this week, Eric? Well, we're super excited and stoked to be um, hanging out with Jeff Barch, who's a professional TV editor here in Hollywood. He is a published author and the founder of Story Greenlight. Jeff, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Howdy, guys. It's I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be good. Awesome. Yeah, yeah thanks for being here. Um, gosh, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into the industry real quick for people that might not know. Sure. Uh, I get grief. I, basically, I grew up doing a whole bunch of random things based around media. Uh, I like, and it started out with music. Like I, uh, my my brothers hated me when we all had to share the same room because at one point I had a whole list of songs that I had to sing before I went to sleep. So I was lying in bed <laughs> singing like "Jesus Loves Me" and and the Alphabet Song and all these songs every night. And um, they were just like, "Dude, shut up!" <laughs> every night. Someone gave our family a piano, and I started going over to that piano. I started plunking out tunes on the piano yeah. by ear, and I stopped singing at night, and my brothers were thrilled. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, that's that's how I got started playing piano. I've played piano ever since I was four. Wow. Um, and I I went along with that when got into junior high, and I started working with like MIDI sequencing. Yeah. Yep. I was okay. I, I would take my brother's boom boxes, and I'd do like super basic bouncing tracks back and forth from boombox one to boombox two wow sweet yeah. the sound quality was amazing oh, i'm sure <laughs> Dolby C, yeah. Yeah. yeah all that oh, and man. uh and i got into video production in high school because my art teacher said jeff i think you should do a video i'm like okay fine i'll do a video yeah. and and that's that's literally how it started wow, wow that's cool yeah and the thing is i was in a high school of 400 people i graduated in from a class of 35 people in a town in northwest iowa with a thousand people in the whole town wow a zero stoplight (laughs) town a zero stoplight oh wow yes i thought i grew up in a small town it's well this this is the real deal yeah (laughs) oh man (laughs) and uh and it was one of those things where i was the only one who cared about this stuff so i became the big fish in the tiny pond and uh, I, I went to college for my first two years, and I was doubling in uh, Bible studies and music composition. And uh, I decided that I wanted to get back into the video stuff that I've been doing in film school, uh, in uh, high school. And so my people who were giving me advice were like, well, dude, you should either go to New York if you want to get into the artsy side of things, or if you want to actually get into the industry, you need to go to L.A. I'm like, okay, well, I'll, uh, I'll go to L.A. Yeah. And I transferred to film school at a place called Biola University. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Liberal Arts, Christian yep. Liberal Arts University out yep. here. And yeah. uh, I was there for a semester and a half, and I ran out of money. Okay, and I had to sure. drop out of college. 
And thankfully, while I'd been there, I had been busting my tail working on any project that I could. And yeah. the head of the film department said, it sucks that you have to leave. Here's some people that you should call. One of those phone numbers that he gave me and then ended up giving me my first internship, which turned into my first job as an assistant editor. That was at a show that I was there for two seasons as an assistant, and then I got promoted to lead, uh, no, to, well, from assistant to lead assistant and then to full editor. Wow, yeah. At the same show, at the same production company, which is super, super rare. Right. Usually wow. you're bouncing around. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. usually you get pigeonholed. Sure, yeah. And sure. they're like, oh, well, you're an awesome assistant or you're an awesome camera operator or you're an awesome fill in the blank, but yeah. you're not what you really want to do. Kind right. Of like, you're, you're not that material. <clears throat> So that's that's basically how I got out here, and that's how I got into the industry. Um, I I had to drop out of college because I ran out of money. Yeah. Well, it it worked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that path got you here. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, and I do feel like I kind of fell into it in some ways yeah. because so many people say it's like, oh, well, my dream is to do this. It's like my dream is to get right. out here and do this stuff, and uh, I it's it's crazy. Like I I, I do feel part of it is. Uh, I was guided out here. Mm -hmm. I do yeah. feel like a lot of it was, it just happened to work with stuff that I'm good at. And this is the perfect place yeah. for someone like me with the things that I am good at. Well, yeah. yeah that, I mean, that brings up the, the question of how did it become editing? Because you, you were in the film program mm -hmm. at Biola and how did it, you know, point towards editing? Was there a certain event that happened or was it just that, that initial internship <laughs> or actually, apprenticeship? Actually, since you guys are so into production and you, you do so much shooting, um, there was a time when I was thinking that I wanted to be a camera operator. Okay. Um, like there, there's actually, I, I have this picture of um, when I was a kid, I would build this Lego model of this little guy on uh, on a camera crane. Okay, yeah. Uh, you know, like a, right, like a yeah. jib. So like, and, and the guy was riding around with the with the film camera on the, on the yeah. edge of the crane. Yeah. Because at that time, you know, everyone was still shooting film and everyone yeah. was actually flying on right. the edge, on, on the end of a camera crane. And I thought to myself, it's like, dude, if, if I can get out to LA and get to ride on a camera crane, for an actually legitimate reason, then I will have arrived. Right. right, yeah. And of course, right when I got out here, that's when they start introducing the uh, like, like remote heads. Motorized I mean, heads, like, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they don't need the you gimbals, out there anymore. Everything right. else, dream. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Rarely but, do you see it now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but what happened was, I still thought that I wanted to do some camera operating, and it got to a point when I when I was out of college, and I had gotten a couple contacts of some people who needed some camera operators. And this this company hired me, and it was on like a national tour for like a great big healthcare company. So it was like this like multi venue connected with satellites. Wow! Like 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 they, they were they're doing a really high, pretty high end corporate yeah presentation thing, and um, I was in the venue. Um, that was the and and the venue director was actually the owner of the company, and we were and we were driving from the hotel to the venue at one point, and uh, and the boss, the guy who signed my check, was driving the van, and he was and we were in Houston or Dallas, I think, and he was talking about how how hard it was to figure out some of the the, the freeways and how to get on and off some of the freeways in oh yeah in, texas in, roads are, yeah, are, are kind of strange yeah yeah. <laughs> the, yeah the texas turnarounds <laughs> yeah they don't make a lot of sense yeah, they don't no yeah. well and so i and this was in me in my early 20s i in my wisdom decided to say well you know they you know they try to put the signs up there and they try to make it as idiot proof as possible oh ouch oh <laughs> I <laughs> called the owner of the company an idiot. Yeah. And I didn't even but realize were, yeah, I was doing it. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. and I and, and just, it, like for years afterward, I was just like, oh, what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. Something you wake up at three in the morning, 20 years later, still <laughs> thinking about. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, it's like as, 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 as much as I can say, I'm grateful for that opportunity. I'm grateful for the learning. Yeah. Thank you for that opportunity. Dude, <laughs> I remember my first day that and my last. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, and, and from that moment forward, the guy would not even look at me in the face. Oh, he's oh, just wow. like, 
Who hired you? Yeah. Get out of my sight. Oh, wow. Yeah. I never operated camera again after that gig. Wow. And what happened was it meant that my time was more open so that when this opportunity opened up for this internship where I was learning this thing called the Avid, oh, um, yeah. I was available. Yeah, sure. And that was a really important way. The, me putting my foot in my mouth was a very important part of me ending up as an editor. Right. Interesting, those those elements of, of, I mean, we could call them failure, but that have defined our journeys oh, yeah. in, in the way that, that's helped us to get to where we are. And I think there's a lot of times where, you know, failure's got this stigma of it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even the school system is conditioned us to think, oh, you don't want an F because you're not passing. Right. Except in real life, you you want to fail a few times because that's what helps you to really learn what it is that propels you through the next thing. 100%. Anybody that's had any significant amount of success has had a whole laundry list of failures that have gotten them there. Yeah. So... As, as entertaining it is to hear about that now, it's like in just looking at you know the the hindsight and and seeing how that that's gotten your trajectory to where because you're having amazing success in this in the in this spot and that was like you said a key moment. It's really cool. Yeah, that's uh, it, it is really cool to see how those moments all fit together. But you but you, of course you don't know that. When you're writing the movie. No, yeah, not another time that it happens. You're just thinking like, I'm never going to work ever again. I am such, I am such an idiot. Yeah, right. Uh, you mentioned Avid earlier, and mm-hmm. um, I know we were we were talking a little bit before we started rolling. And uh, you're still on Media Composer. Is it even called Media Composer? Yeah, it okay. is. Yeah. Avid Media I, I Composer. Didn't, well, I didn't know if it was still called that at, at six or not, or if that was a, a newer name. But you're still on Media Composer six. It's true. Which they're on. 12 now or mm-hmm. 10 maybe either I don't way even know yeah, yeah i don't it's, remember it's far I, away well, from what the current the current version is at yeah. least. It's a, few ver- yeah. a few versions down the road yeah yeah, yeah she's right. still got a lot of you know miles in her yeah but it's fine yeah uh how how is that working with you know that that system uh still i mean you, you had mentioned that it it's stable and it, it works for you guys and mm-hmm. why upgrade it if, if it's working yeah. um, gear and the new fresh thing is always something that filmmakers love to talk about, but sometimes we're kind of afraid to, to make that leap. Can you kind of speak into that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think there's a, a large temptation to think that if I have the best gear, I will be the best creator. Mm, yeah. It's just not true. Yeah. Right. It yeah. is just not true. Um, I, I, I see, you, you, I, I will tell you, you know, the show that I'm currently cutting, it's a, it's a primetime mega hit on NBC. Yeah. It's in its 11th season. And we don't use, we don't use a $100,000 drone on our shoots. Mm-hmm. We use a Mavic Pro on our field shoots. Right. You know? And it's, and, and, and so much of that, and, and it's, and it comes back down to what are the tools and uh, how do you use them. Uh, I was at a I was at a seminar at one point a long time ago. I forget where I was and who the gentleman was. What I do remember was that he was one of the staff re-recording mixers at Warner Brothers, and so he goes into his mixing stage every day, and he's sitting down at this mixing console that literally stretches across the entire room yeah Yeah. it's just this massive massive piece of gear and he says that the number one thing that you have to know when you're working on gear like that is you have to know it like the back of your hand so that it it becomes invisible yeah and that just really stuck with me because it's like you you have to know your tools gear does matter yeah you have to know your tools you know have to know how to use them and then you have to make the gear not matter at all because it's what about what you're bringing to the table as right. an artist, as a creative. Right. You can't let it get in your way mm-hmm. of what you're ultimately trying to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's really great to bring up. Um, I think we can sometimes get so used to like, oh, I don't have you know an 8K camera. My, my film isn't going to look awesome. But right. It's like, well, I've seen some amazing like feature films shot on an iPhone. Mm-hmm. 
And it's just yeah. because that creativity and that, that filmmaker and, you know, and the editor and the colorist and everybody has faith in it and knows what they want to do and has that talent uh, to, to pull that project off with such a small piece of gear. I mean, well, and also uh, nine out of 10 times, the people who are actually shooting and uh, a feature on an iPhone, they have the chops to shoot it on the biggest, right. Most trick sure. out cameras. Sure. You know, they have this, they have the chops. Yeah. But it's the, you know, but, but they can bring that to bear or whatever, to whatever gear that they, that they have. Well, you know, it, um, what was interesting, I was working at, um, Hammer Films, which was a trailer house back in the day. And they had three big edit bays that were all avid, the older where, you know, there, there were 150 K rigs that as, as for those listening it's uh, that he means $150,000. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and because one rig did cost that. And at the time it was right at the time like OSX had just gotten released. They Apple had moved past all the issues that they had with with um, OS 9 and all the bugs and they finally and they got to the stable platform of Unix and um and the final cut, you could build a final cut machine mm -hmm. for a fraction of the price. Yes. And that became a major point of discussion, even in that space. Disruptive. Yeah. And, and, and it was like, okay, the, this tool could actually get the job done. Yeah. And we're seeing that, you know, nowadays with the, the tools that are available to almost anybody that with the cost being as low as it is. Um, you talked about stability in, and, you know, Hollywood having that resistance because this is working, mm -hmm. but how much of, how much of this is working starts to age out and no longer works because of maybe it doesn't, it's not supporting whatever the, the new format is, or it's not supporting the new resolutions or, or it's not supporting and it. And how does that, how have you experienced that from, from the budget side of the argument to the technical supporting side of the argument to what needs to be produced? Yeah. It's, it, it, it's really interesting because there's a mindset especially within the entertainment industry, within broadcast TV and within feature film. It's like, you don't need to edit on anything other than Avid. Right. And people who edit on anything other than Avid, we're sorry for you. <laughs> Look down your nose. Right. Poor little people. Yeah, right. And, and, and the fact of the matter is, it used to be that way, but it's not anymore. Right. Now, it, and I, I will still say like, 80 to 85%, I would estimate, of anything you see on a television screen or on a movie screen is cut on an Avid still today. But the instant you set foot outside, you set foot outside Los Angeles and New York, it's you're more likely to find people who are like, Avid, what's that? Right. right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so there is definitely a balance to be struck between like this gear is rock solid, but it does age out because Composer, for instance, it, is, it was built around the philosophy of physical film work print. Right. It was based around like I learned how to run the Avid. Like I learned how to be an assistant editor by shoving beta SP tapes into a deck <laughs> right. at three right. o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and so that's the architecture that Avid is designed around. And if and, and they had to update that because like nothing, virtually nothing, is shot on tape anymore. Right. Yeah. And so Avid had to change because otherwise it would it it would just get left in the dust. And so there is absolutely a balance of you you do have to catch up with the new. You do have to um you, you do have to step out of the comfortable tools that works because otherwise you get left behind. Right. Are you running into like transcode issues at all with, I mean, not, I guess not transcode. Cause are you transcoding everything that you guys are getting? Because you're probably not, I mean, what's your, your, like your main exports are ProRes or D uh, sorry, I almost said DVX, but that's not right. I'm used to something else. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, Resolume. <laughs> DVCHD. What, yeah. What's the? Yeah, that I think that's what I'm talking about. But yeah, what's what's kind of your your codex that you're you're dealing with, and have you encountered issues still sticking to Media Composer Six? I will say um, we transcode everything that comes in house. 
Um, I don't do it. Yeah. At this point in my life, I could, like, you try to say, Jeff, be an assistant editor. I'm like, I have no <laughs> earthly sure. idea how yeah. to do that. I'm out. Yeah. And, and, well, and, and I will say, it's like, it, 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 being an assistant editor is an incredibly technical job. Yeah. It's even more difficult for people who are in the assistant editor role. And if they want to be an editor, it's an even more difficult to make that jump than it ever has been because it's like, this is a technical role. This is a creative role. Right. Um, yeah. But to your question about uh, about transcoding and codecs, we like for the show here, uh, everything is recorded on XD Cam, XD Cam optical disc. Okay. And also, um, and and also uh, hard, just like hard disc. Yeah. Um, and I don't know exactly what formats they roll in the truck, but it's but everything is transcoded with with Resolve, DaVinci Resolve oh. workstations. Wow. Okay. Into I believe DNX, some okay. flavor of DNX. Okay. That that's DNX is what I was trying to say earlier. Yeah. That that makes sense though because these Resolve has become such a tool to use the entire computer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Final Cut still doesn't do it. Premiere still doesn't do it. They don't use all of your cores, all of your GPU. And right. I'm getting really kind of in the weeds of computer stuff here, but yep. that's kind of one of my passions. Um, but Hinch, cut to me editing yeah. a YouTube video on Premiere with my poor little MacBook that's yeah. physically maxed out at 16 gig of RAM. I'm yeah. just like, play for the love of god play <laughs> yeah. you know. two frames okay. okay all right yeah i'm gonna export this and come back in a week it, exactly yeah i used to love 4k <laughs> yeah. i love watching it i love proxies yeah. oh proxies yes yeah we, we've had a couple of projects lately um we, we've shot some some live concert footage for for our work and we had um i think 16 layers basically mm-hmm. so we we shot multiple um takes of the same songs and then and stacked them up but uh yeah premiere was struggling with yeah. that and, and they were all pro res you know there shouldn't have been an issue but yeah it's it's this the world that we live in now how i mean 4k that, that's a great thing to bring up like are you you're not doing any 4k or are you bringing that in and i know broadcast is still 1080i for the most part or um nbc nbc actually I may be wrong on this, but there are some networks, I believe NBC, no, no, it's it's ABC, Disney, ESPN. Their over-the-air HD broadcast is 720. Wow. So, yeah, it's not even near 4K right. at all. But... Um, I mean, and, and they, they could have, they, they could have updated that recently. Um, they, and, and I'm sure they have other, like, they have certain channels, which broadcast sure. at higher resolution, but, um, no, as a, as a general rule of thumb, broadcast television broad is, it, it, it goes over the air at 1080. Yeah. Are you ever, um, having conversations with, with productions or, or, or people, um, before it starts where, you know, you're, you're kind of worried about longevity, um, of projects because I look at, um, things like, uh, Seinfeld or friends and they had the, the foresight to like shoot that on film. And then now it's kind of seeing a new life with yeah. HD remasters. Well, and even like, I love Lucy. Right. Sure. Pioneering that. Yeah. Are you, are you guys having those conversations or is it just kind of, um, not, not, I don't want to say not thought of, but you know, a not, not a concern of say for American engine warrior. Well, I would say that's one of the primary differences between film and television, where you're much more likely to get the mindset of this is not meant to last forever. Right. Doesn't have the same legs. You know, we're we're not. You know, we, we this, like this show and it's American Ninja Warrior season eleven episode number one or or, or two. We're like we're not going to be seeing this. 80 years from now sure. as we hopefully okay. would be seeing right. a feature film right. kind of thing. And even difference from show to show, right? Types of shows, sitcoms, yeah, like Friends, we're seeing, we saw a resurgence of that on Netflix, mm-hmm. whereas something like American Ninja Warrior maybe not carry that same, there might be some certain standouts that mm-hmm. people would would maybe go back to, but maybe the entire season, that because of the nature of the type of show, mm-hmm. doesn't have that kind of... Yeah. Um, yeah. Thought behind it. I mean, it's 
Yeah, I, I think the the obsession the obsession with resolution I think is far more applicable to feature film and frankly to to YouTubers sure. right. who yep. want to be who want to be in the feature film world. And, yeah, you know, they they aspire to that. They think if they have all the K's, right, <laughs> it'll yeah. make them amazing. Right. I mean, that's a conversation that Eric and I have all the time. Where I'm. I'm beyond caring how many K's you have behind the number now. And I just want, I just want clean, like, uh, you know, I want, I want lower noise grain and, yeah. I, you know, and, and better low light sensitivity. And I, I just, yeah, just give me data rates that I can actually handle with a computer and, and give me really good 4k and I'm fine with it. Like I love the push in the punch in, mm -hmm. you know, in post that yeah. that's great to have, but Sometimes handling the footage, I just don't know if it's worth the headache. And really, yeah, yeah. Well, and I will say this: even even with the stuff, you know, just talking about learning and stretching, it was like I I felt that I was getting a little stuck in my ways, um, broadcast editing. And uh, one of the things that I've really enjoyed is learning lear learning how to be a YouTube creator. Because it's one thing, like I, I've spent my entire career cutting stuff that's been shot by other people. Right. Sure, um, yeah. It is another thing entirely <laughs> to yeah. write and shoot, then cut your own stuff. Yep. Sure. And man, it's, uh, it, 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 I'm, I'm continuing, I'm smack dab in the middle of that learning curve. Yeah. But man, my poor little, my poor little canon t5i oh yeah it's it's a humble humble little rig but i don't i'm like the, the thing that drives me nuts is like when you try to shoot at 60 frames a second you can see the artifacting oh, yeah. in the in the, the tiny data rates i'm like this looks like garbage <laughs> right i'm like i and and i i'm like i and i don't want to do i don't i don't want to do 720 frames stuff no. anymore it's like just no because you blow it up and it loses its clarity and that. yeah and tvs are getting bigger and monitors are getting i mean exactly. a lot of people are watching stuff on their phones but phone resolution is even getting bigger you know yeah. so they're yeah. able to see more um you know american engine warrior is in uh, it's a it's 11th season now it's going into mm -hmm. the 12th yeah 11th um what does that process look like for you? I mean, how early were you coming in? I mean, now you're 11 seasons in, but when it first started, how early in that production or pre-production even were you coming in for that show? Hardly at all. Okay. Mainly because uh, this this show is such a massive machine. Mm. It you know it shoots in six or seven cities all over the country. I mean, oh, it's yeah. got like an entire fleet. Uh, of trucks that you know just just to set up and just for the course and everything it's, it's just like this massive operation and so anything of that scale it ha you have to have a million moving pieces but it, everything has to be specialized sure so basically i am hired to be on uh, to do what i do on ninja because i'm a great storyteller mm -hmm. and i've found my niche here a cutting short form stories so i'm i'm working on the uh i'm working on the the athlete bio pieces yeah the stuff that you see of the athletes before they go on the course right and so um to your question it's like i like they don't you know they, they might ask the the the, the post-production team like the post producers and the coordinators and the supervisors they you know they have to make sure that the workflow is all up to speed and everyone's on the same page sure yeah how many how many workstations we're going to have for for uh, for burning footage through Resolve? Yeah. When when a cart full of hard drives arrives into post here from location, um, how long is that going to take? How many workstations? How many assistants do you need working? How many shifts? It is wow, just yeah. it's it's crazy. Yeah. So everything is very specialized. But they're not they're not pulling you in. Because, like you'd mentioned, right? Your the your primary um, value that you that you're bringing to the table is the the gift of storytelling. Mm -hmm. So they're out capturing all that footage, um, and but yet they're not reaching out saying, "Hey, Jeff, this is this is this is what you know we're shooting this particular. Where where are the stories in here mm -hmm. that's going to help us to shoot that better?" maybe more effectively 
because we're, we don't have to send you as many hard drives right. to go well, through. And, and I will say the, the way that that works um, on this and any other and any show like this is um, when you have an unscripted show, obviously you don't start from a script, you start from ideas. Right. And so uh, when you are casting a person to appear on an unscripted show, it's it all begins with the casting. It's like okay, well, what? Tell us what happened. What's what's happened with you over the last year? And so the um, and and so the casting department says, okay, these are the, the potential story beats. And then the executives work with the casting department to say, okay, these are the people that we think have the good stories that might be working well on the show. Yeah. Um, and obviously on a show like Ninja, it's like, well, if you have a great story, but you don't do well in the course, it's like, well, it's kind of hard to sure. feature yeah. someone like right, that. Right. So that is all set up beforehand. And then, uh, then, then you, balance, you, you balance that and, and you say, okay, well, let's send a crew out into the field. And here are the story beats that we want to that we want to talk about. Here are and, and the producers for the for the individual shoots say oh, they get a whole list of questions that they want to ask the people, and so they do have they do have a lot of very specific direction about these are the stories that we want to tell. But even then, it changes once you get back into the edit. Yeah. So you're getting these these you know a, a truckload of footage, you know. Yeah. basically literally yeah <laughs> trucks how, loads how <laughs> much time do you have between getting that footage and then the air date like what does that usually look like uh it de uh, hmm. it depends i mean because shows like shows like this one they you know, we start off with a comfortable window so we lock we lock the first episode say we lock a, a, a month before air okay as you go throughout the season, that window, you, you know, things get pushed and it's like, well, we didn't, we, you know, schedule gets a little bit off. And so we need to take a couple more days here and then pull things here. Oh, well, we have to do revisions on this stuff here. And so by the time you get to the end of the season, your window of flexibility has pretty much closed and everyone is cranking full bore to say, it's like, okay, we have to deliver two hours of TV today. Right. So network can give their thumbs up. They can the net, network can 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 give all their notes. We can lock the show. We can send it to online and we can send it to mix. Then we can get it back to network to air. And sometimes we finish online. Uh, sometimes online finishes the day before air. It's wow. insane. Yeah, that's close. Wow. But that's pretty typical yeah. with a show at the end of its season where all that, that window of time that's built in, it just shrinks down. And all of a sudden it's like, you got to do what you got to do to make air. Sure, sure. So you, so maybe I want to pivot a little bit in the conversation you mentioned a little bit earlier about um, doing now being in the YouTube space mm -hmm. and as a YouTube creator and people would scratch their heads going, wait, you, you're a professional editor, you, you know storytelling really well. It should be really easy to just jump right into that. Um, maybe sh shed some light a little bit on the things that, that you're learning in that transition. Because I, I know a lot of YouTubers that, that are, that are ho that, that dream to, to get to going this direction. Yeah. And that's a huge learning curve. Uh -huh. I totally get that. Um, but maybe some people would enjoy hearing about the learning curve going in the other direction and if the and how much there is one and and what are the things that that you're finding that are things that you're like oh okay this is working or this isn't working and maybe shine some light on that yeah oh how can i count the learning curves it's just <laughs> it's crazy i mean it's i mean like there is a there is a perception in hollywood that youtubers are like oh well that's that's cute that you know sure. right, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's it pull out your little dslrs and call yourself a filmmaker yeah, hobbyist and, and yes and yeah. you know and 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 do all the things but it's it, it, they, they, a lot of people in hollywood think that youtubers should just try to be like us in hollywood mm. it's a very look down your nose condescending yeah. kind of a thing yeah um and i confess it's like that used to be where my head was then i actually started doing it 
I'm like, oh, YouTube is not Hollywood. Right. Hollywood is not YouTube, and neither of them need to be. They are very different animals. Yeah, sure. Um, and so, just just uh, what, what, some of the things that I've been learning. Uh, first of all, I am a perfectionist. I am paid to obsess over every single tiny detail. Right. There have been times when I've been hired to cut a 90-second piece, and they give me an entire week to do it. You tell, uh, so let's see, that's, uh, I'm, what does that work? So if I do, say, eight hour, eight edit hours per day times five days, that's 40 hours uh, for one and a half minutes. Yeah. You give that ratio, you tell that ratio to a YouTuber, they're going to look at you like you just grew a third eyeball on your forehead. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, because like, like anybody you, got time for that. <laughs> well, and, and it's just like. Yeah. And, and so part of the learning thing that I had to get into was like, I love the, I, I love editing. I really love it. Yeah. I'm very good at it and I love doing it and I'm doing it in the single best place in the world to do it. I am set. I am living the dream. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as most people will tell you, like when you get to the point where a lot of people would say you're living the dream, it's like, well, you have to, you have to be grounded in what's beyond that. Right. Because usually just like living the dream isn't enough right. when you get there. Um, I love I love teaching, I love creating, I, and I love learning. And so, I, I, as frustrating as it can be, I love the learning curve of finding out what YouTube is, what makes it so unique. Uh, and the number one way being, you get to interact with your audience. I mean, right, you're, not yeah. this, sure, yeah. you're not this exalted, far-removed movie and TV star. Yeah. And that's why you can develop relationships with people who feel like they actually know you. Right. That's that's a big deal. Yeah. That's a really big deal. And um, so that, that's one of the things that I've been learning. And, and so back to the perfectionism, I mean, I've really had to learn, like if I'm going to create content on YouTube, I need to do it in a way that is sustainable because my time is not limitless. Right? Yeah, yeah. Not even close. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, th those, are, those are two big ways that I've been learning as I go. Yeah, those are huge. I, I think getting caught up in the quality versus quantity argument, we were talking a little bit about that earlier mm -hmm. and realizing that, um, there was a time on YouTube where it was about, you didn't have to have the best quality, but if you were consistent and you were pushing out a ton of content, the algorithm's going to pick pick up your stuff and propagate it and make it suggested. And, mm -hmm. and so you're going to have more success in, in growing your vanity metrics and in your views and everything else. Where is, we're at a new place, like you had mentioned, Tim Schmoyer saying that, the, the algorithm is is learning and they're it's tweaking getting it smarter and, every day and now it's not so much about the quantity but that that quality is mat it does matter and 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 I don't think that they're necessarily mutually exclusive but I no. but but I I think that's a huge one that learning how to balance what how much time do we invest mm -hmm. in in this and at what point is is the quality up to the standard right you mm -hmm. have a certain standard of what that quality needs to be and and how do i balance those two things in a way that still brings a ton of value which by the way you are you're you're doing you. you're doing a great job i've watched a lot of your youtube stuff um and get the notifications and I'm, I'm jumping right on. I do need, awesome. the, I do need, my wife doesn't appreciate it, but <laughs> she's like, you're so distracted. I go, no, but I'm learning stuff. It's, it's important. And, but, and, and I think that, you know, a lot of your, what you're bringing to the table from the background that you come, your quality is elevated already and which it helps everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, even if you are shooting on a Canon, you know, six, what is the T-I? The T-5-I. Heck, uh, I started out shooting on my iPhone 6. Yeah. yeah. I just like yeah. put up on a little stand on a, on a table over lunch hour and just talking to my iPhone. Yeah. Right, yeah. And now you're now you're wearing the executive hat to determine. Well, we're not going to release this. You know, we got to go back to the edit cut or, mm -hmm. or whatever. <laughs> but you don't have like that creative freedom beyond the scope of the the machine that that you normally live in is is those shackles are are 
you know, they're, wow, they, you know, it's a big, wide, deep ocean. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that is even, it, it can be even more, it, it can be downright paralyzing to have that many options. Right. Because it's the classic blank page syndrome that writers talk about. You, you're sitting with there staring at a blank page and you're like, oh, help. <laughs> I can write anything. Yeah. Hooray. Yeah. Oh, I can write anything. What is that actually going to be? You oh, know? Yeah. Whereas if you are, I mean, that's one of my things that I always talk about is how creativity, we, often, we, we so often say that creativity doesn't want to be limited. And I say it's the exact opposite. Creativity flourishes inside limitations because mm. that's where problem solving yeah. Yeah, that's how it is. Yeah. And that's that I, I continue learning that. Yeah, problem solving. That's so we we're here for Cinegear this weekend and and that's one of the things that we were talking about with a couple of different vendors and the the things that people are like aperture for one they're getting feedback RYM photography gave them feedback and on a particular product it had too many connections and, and and cables and all this different things and so they got feedback in that sense from part of the community and are making a better product um, another company that we talked to that we were standing there watching them kind of pro, uh, fit this prototype battery mount with the people that made the prototype and the client that was requesting it and got caught up in that. And the thing that, that Drew from DeFi had shared with me was, is that, yeah, it's a community. We came together and solved this problem. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, and I think that's the, those problems get solved the best way in community and coming together to collaborate and, and to help, facilitate hey let's like i'm bringing a certain set of value to the table you're bringing a certain set of value to the table mm -hmm. zach's bringing a certain set of value to the table and between the three of us we're going to come up with a way better solution than either one of us by ourselves and and i i'm totally into right now i'm just totally into that whole like man we just got to get the community working together because mm -hmm. there's too many people that aren't well, I mean, I sit in my room by myself with a computer all day. Yeah. And it's, you know, well, for one thing, I am an introvert. Anyone who thinks otherwise, I fooled you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're all fooled. <laughs> but yeah, my, my wife says I'm a socially poised introvert. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, I'm I'm a career television editor who sits in a room with a computer all by himself all day long, yeah. and I like it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's dream job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh -huh. it's I mean, I have my own my own space. I can do my own thing. It's it's amazing. I love yeah. it. Having said that, if I don't get out of my room and I and I don't talk to people, and I if and if I don't look at what the other editors on the show are doing, it's uh, I. I've, my work starts falling short and my mindset and my spirit starts falling short. How often are you guys kind of, hey, come check this out and like watching each other's edits or projects? Is that is that happening uh, a whole lot? From time to time. I mean, a, a, a lot of us will, you know, will we'll, uh, go into like the current cuts bin and check out the latest cuts of whatever has sure. been delivered there and just say, well, you know, I'll, I'll look at what some of the other story package folks are doing and say, hey, like, how does my stuff compare with the feel and the pacing and all that kind of things because you want to have a cohesive feel for the show yeah so yeah i mean you, you we're absolutely we're we're stopping into each other's bays and like there, there's a one of my buddies from down the hall he stops by and is like hey i'm trying to do this thing with graphics i'm not i'm kind of stuck at this point here and i'm like well did you think about blah 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 he's like ah you know problem solved and just today i was working on a piece that needed some super super epic orchestral like slamming epic music and and I knew that there's a whole subset of that that we use on the show, but I didn't know if whether it was if I if, if if I was allowed to use that in the packages. So I went to our supervising editor and said, "Hey, here's what I'm looking for. What do you think is the best place to find this kind of a music cue?" And so we talked about it and uh, found an awesome cue based on his suggestion. So yeah, we we interact, we collaborate all the time. Very yeah, cool. That's great. So I mean, you, 
you're living the dream. You're an editor here in Hollywood. You're a published author, which we haven't even really touched on yet. True story. And and, and you 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 have a successful community with Story Greenlight that's um, beyond YouTube, even online. Um, what is a huge risk that you've taken in in your journey up to this point? That like it was a massive risk that you weren't sure how it was going to land, but it totally paid off. Within the context of Story Greenlight, or or what you're thinking, what, Just, whatever, it, wh- whatever's like the like this is something that I was totally terrified on, and I took a risk, and it's it's totally landing well. Whatever context that you want to well, put that I, in, I will say I have been banging my head against the digital wall for about ten years now mm. because it was about. 12, 13 years ago that I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Yes, yep. And that book turned my brain inside out because it was saying things about money and how and 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 how to you know and how to think about it and how to create it and how to keep it and all that stuff that I'd never heard before. And so I that's that was the thing that made me start thinking about, you know, Jeff, you're you're sitting in an edit bay working on really cool stuff, but you're still trading your hours for a paycheck and mm. you're only going to get paid once. Right. And so that put me down the path of, hey, well, what if I could do things that I'd get paid more than once. Mm. And so for a while I was pursuing um, film producing. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I found out what it takes to be <laughs> right. a successful film producer. I'm like, okay, that life choice is not for me. Right. Plus I don't have, plus I, I don't believe I have the temperament to be a film producer, sure. a feature film a producer. a certain type of personality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's even without being a screamer. It's, I'm just, Anyway, whole other discussion. <laughs> but um, I, but I was focused. I started focusing more on online business and bringing in money through online business. And there has not been one specific time where I've just really put myself out there and like this either has to work or I'm done. It's just been, let's give this a shot. Let's put this out there. Okay, what are we learning? Okay, that didn't work at all. <sighs> Okay, keep going, keep going. Yeah. Push, about, push it out again, push it out again. That's still not working again. And so it gets to the point where you're like, am I, it, really, is this, am, am I supposed to be doing this at all? Is, is it realistic to think about um, building a business that replaces the substantial income that I make doing what I'm doing? Sure. Um, and so that's... That is the ongoing risk. That's the ongoing challenge of putting yourself out there and figuring out what does and doesn't work and not giving up. Wow, yeah. And that's really good. Which is why, like right now, which is why I'm so stoked for where things are right now because uh, Story Greenlight is, it's the most aligned that I've ever been with who I am and what drives me and what I'm passionate about and yeah. connecting with people who care about the same things. Yeah. Because I, you know, I, I, I say that I'm, I'm no longer seeking success for myself in Hollywood, and I'm wanting to help storytellers find a piece of Hollywood in themselves. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Fantastic. And and so it's all about coming to a place where I realize that some of my core values are teaching and creating and empowering others, and to be able to do that in a venue like YouTube and build a business model around that to spread the impact and to help people tell their stories and to help their message be heard and to be spread and hopefully for change to happen as a result. That is an incredible honor to be part of that. Tell us kind of what what is that? I mean, what's kind of the log line and the, the main idea behind Story Greenlight? Yeah. Well, Story Greenlight is all about helping YouTubers level up in their creativity, in their creative video editing, and their storytelling skills. It's basically about helping YouTubers tell better stories with video. And the whole the, the idea the, well the reason that that's important is because depending on where you go and who you talk to like oh you got to tell stories you got to have a good story it's it, it seems kind of like a buzzword like a corporate speak yeah. buzzword kind of a thing yeah it's not this is a foundational way that human beings connect with other human beings right yeah. ever since cavemen scribbled on uh, scribbled paintings yep. on cave walls yeah. They were telling a story 
And they, and I'll say, they had to edit the story by choosing <laughs> yeah. what they did and did not draw on that cave wall. You see it's just those like petroglyphs yeah. with the X's on them. Yeah. <laughs> like this yeah. guy was eaten by the bear, so we got to X him. Yeah. Out. There is no undo button on that one. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like so. so you have to t- y- storytelling is such a critically important part of communication and yeah. understanding other people. And man, oh man, do we ever need to understand each other at this part, at this time in the world. Yeah. Just thinking about our country is so incredibly divided. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's so easy. You know, everyone said that the internet was going to bring everyone together. And what has actually happened is the internet has helped us huddle together farther apart. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, and the divisions between sides become ever, ever deeper. And I'm firmly convinced that the number one way to bridge the gaps between groups of people is by telling each other's stories and helping e- helping it understand where the other person is coming from. Yeah. You don't necessarily have, it doesn't mean you have to necessarily change what you believe or change who you are or whatever, but if you just hear hear their story. It's a way to understand right. and maybe, maybe adjust the way that we think and how we live and how we interact. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's the core behind Story Greenlight is the idea of helping people spread their messages. That's awesome. So good. Yeah. That, I mean, oh, that's, that's man, killer. That's so it's good. really great. Um, we, we love that idea. And I think as filmmakers, that's what we're constantly trying to do is just tell stories. And mm-hmm. it's this desire. I mean, it's why, you know, when I was five years old, I was playing around with the, the, the high eight camera that my dad owned in my little action figures and making, you know, little shorts. I mean, that's where I started and mm-hmm. it was telling those stories and, uh, yeah, it's so encouraging to hear that, and and it just it pumps me up. It does, and you're so right on the money, and because um, we're so starved for that connection, mm-hmm. we're so starved. I mean, with the with the internet and the distraction, and you know, I, j- I joked about it earlier, but you go into a coffee shop and people aren't looking at each other; they're sitting at the same table. And they're looking at their phones mm-hmm. and, and hungry and in need of that human connection. And what Story Greenlight and what you're doing with helping people to connect through through video and through the editing and helping people to, to, to like, we, leveraging the, the very thing that's distracting them to try to help corral that back in for this yeah. and that connection and just the 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 emotion of it all and how important that it's it's never been more important like you shared the 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 polarization of dissension is at an all-time high yeah. and um and i really am excited about what you're doing because you're making a difference and it's turning that around well and i'll say uh another angle to that is just like the name itself well people uh people may or may not be familiar with the term of what a green light is with you know and because it always used to be that hollywood was the only game in town when it when it comes to telling your stories you know if someone had a story to tell and wanted to do it on a large scale um you would come to a movie studio or a tv network and so and and so they were waiting for some executive to say we give you permission yeah. and they give to, we to, we give you a green light which means you have access now to our equipment to our platform and uh we put our permission behind this to make your story happen so as technology continues to grow as we all as we all know uh, you have the phone in your pocket, and that means you have the gear. Yep, if right. you have access to the internet, you have the platform. Yeah. And the number one thing that people have to decide is to get that green light. But you're no longer asking for a green light from some faceless studio executive. That green light comes from inside yourself, right. and you have to yeah. give yourself permission. Right. And sometimes that's one of the most difficult things to do. Right. But uh, you know, so some people struggle with that. Other people are like, "Sweet, I'm in. Let's do this." Yes. And it's <laughs> and and that internal green light, it's uh, it's an incredibly freeing thing. Yeah. So that, that's the, that's some of the stuff behind the name of the channel itself. 
and you're giving people that permission per se and the courage really and i and and that's a huge block i think a lot of times people they're like oh that's really cool for you 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 know you can do that you know and no that takes that takes it takes courage to get from behind the camera to get in front of the camera Mm -hmm. um it takes courage to go hey what you have to say matters mm-hmm. and and bring and 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 giving you the tools to be able to do that that courage is probably one of the biggest ones outside the scope of all the details of the you know the technical aspects of the tools sure yeah that's oh man i'm just so pumped right now <laughs> yeah so how do you balance your perfectionisms with your youtube life and your your normal work life I would say, well, it, it's it's not something that I have nailed down because I still spend a lot of time editing each sure. piece. Um, it, it editing editing my YouTube videos is the single largest chunk of time that that happens in you know in the process of everything that I do on the channel, and that's not sustainable. And if I'm to get to the place where I need to be, I'm going to have to outsource that somehow, right. which freaks me out because <laughs> right. it's like yeah. yes yeah. <laughs> i mean it is doable it is possible i know it is i just uh, i i'm it's that that part is in process in the meantime i have to say what is what is reasonable and as a perfectionist i have I, i've come to a realization that my standard of good enough like a perfectionist's standard of this is good enough is usually pretty damn good yeah. Yeah. by almost yeah. anyone's yeah, absolutely. perspective. Yeah. So perfectionists really need to work at getting over themselves. That's <laughs> good. Well, it's amazing to see these companies that are being created and that's all they're doing is mm-hmm. editing YouTube content. Mm-hmm. Like that's they're, they're, people are sending them footage and then they're sending back the cuts and they have no connection to that YouTuber or, you know, or the website or whatever that they're viewing. It's just that that person is filming every day, you know, daily vlogs or whatever, and they don't have enough time with the filming and then with their normal job or whatever, um, you know, like makeup artists and stuff that are doing these, these makeup uh, tutorials. And then they also own a makeup line. Like it's, 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 there's not enough time. And so they're outsourcing these things. And I mean, that's, that's turning into a whole section of the industry itself is these outsourced editors now yeah we're gonna send him truckloads of of hard drives yeah. <laughs> there you go yeah yeah it's yeah, like let's let's see a vlogger shoot with 30 cameras at once yeah yeah right right <laughs> that'll be fun it has never been more possible for people to tell their stories and to put it out there uh and and to put it out in a way that you resonate with i mean whether that's talking to your talking to your camera like you're a selfie vlog kind of a thing or whether you're built or whether you're photographing a short film um it has never been more possible and i i I just want to encourage anyone who's thinking about like maybe you know maybe i should do this yes the answer is yes you do it and you get started and if you're already started you continue and you push and you grow and uh, you will continue to improve, and your message will spread. And that's that's what I want to encourage people to do. It's like if when you have a message that you want to spread, get out there because the world needs to hear what you have to say. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great. Well, Jeff, uh, where can people find you online? Place to go is StoryGreenlight.com. As of this recording, it's going to take you right to the right right to the YouTube channel. Awesome. And um, there's a place, uh, we, we have a, a free checklist that you can download. Uh, there's a qu- list of questions that I ask myself every day as I'm sitting in my edit bay. Like, how can, how can I create, create the most compelling content possible? I put that into a checklist. People can get a free copy of that. There's uh, links on the website and on the videos themselves. And it's uh, something we offer to people. Very cool. Yep, I have it. I downloaded it. And every video since then, I always check against that. Awesome. And it helps me. I'm super grateful for that. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, are you on social at all? Social yeah. Media? Uh, right now, just recently started up on Instagram, at Story Greenlight. And uh, between Instagram and YouTube, th- those are the places to find us. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Jeff, thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. It was great to come by and uh, talk to you for a little while. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. guys. Thank you.
Well, Eric, we've been doing this podcast for a, almost a year now. Yeah. And something that we've never pushed for is subscribers. That's right. We just want to bring value. Yeah. But you know what also brings value? What? More episodes. Sure. So please hit that subscribe button on whatever platform yep. you're listening on, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Play, or Anchor. Hit that subscribe button. And uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go over to anchor.fm slash the easy podcast and, you know, throw, throw some money our way. Yeah. There's for no- less than a cup of coffee, you know. I don't actually know if that's true. No. But yeah, they have like a subscription thing. Anyway, check it out. Anchor. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can support it for less than, a, or you can support it for a dollar a month. I mean... Yeah. That would be awesome. That would help us to continue to bring these amazing podcasts to you. And if you guys have liked the interviews we've had, please, uh, you know, write us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I don't know if Spotify has reviews, actually, but Apple Podcasts definitely does. So um, try and write us a review. Just a quick one. Even if you didn't Mm -hmm. like it, just just write us a review. I just want to know what people think. Yeah. It's great. It's fun. We have a lot of fun doing it. And uh, And it'll help us make it better. It's true. I mean, we want to make it better. We want to bring value. We want to, you know. There's that V word again. Keep saying value. Yeah, because, you know, that's what people pay for. And it's important. Yeah. So hit that subscribe button, guys, and support the podcast if you can. And we'll keep bringing you awesome interviews. Eric, where can they find us online, though? They can find us online at anchor.fm slash the easy podcast or any of their favorite streaming platforms. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at the easy podcast. And uh, we're going to have some content coming up on YouTube. So search at the easy podcast show on YouTube soon. And you can send us an email at the easy podcast show at gmail.com. You can never say it normal because it doesn't come out normal. It's fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. Thanks guys. 